Hello and welcome back to Black Her Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back for another awesome episode of The Fall of the House of Usher. Episode 4, The Black Cat, written by Matt Johnson and Mike Flanagan, directed by Michael Seminari. I like the infusion of humor in this episode a lot. It's a morbid sense of humor, but it lends a levity to the darkness unfolding around the family at large. And I I laughed out loud at a couple of scenes just in reaction to the way in which each character devolves. And tragically, it's our boy Napoleon who is next to fall prey to the raven. I'm wondering at Verna's selection of family members to murder. Is it from youngest to eldest? That's possible. I don't know all their ages. And uh, it would fit that Camille... I think they did bring it up last episode that she is older than or she was younger than than Leo, possibly. I'm not quite sure, but if there is a pattern to where uh, to what Verna is choosing to which damn I'm like I had to go through all of my W's when what where (laughs) which is not even in there but I knew it started with a W um yeah so if anyone has any thoughts on that blackercouch at gmail.com before we jump into our review mostly because I didn't write any notes I'm kind of behind this weekend I don't know how life just goes really quickly when you got things going on (laughs) versus, you know, any other time when you want the day to go so much quicker or the weeks. But here we are. Wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. And if you want to send feedback, you can leave a comment below or email as provided. But I will not be doing any podcasts for the following week. But you can submit feedback. It'll just be sitting in the mailbag for any of the other shows that we are covering, including the rest of the season or series of The Fall of the House of Usher. With that being said, let's discuss the episode via the characters. I think that is going to keep me mostly on topic. Starting with our patriarch, Roderick, who we get more of his backstory with Augie. What he finds out is going on at Fortunato and how he is coming to the realization that their past sins are coming to roost, but they are very much taking their time acknowledging that, both Madeline and Roderick. I'm in denial. He does state it is one of his family's traits 
denial, displacement, and something else, sublimation. At least he thinks that's something that differentiates him <laughs> from some of his children. But that could also be a way to to lessen the responsibility one feels for passing on such terrible trait markers as, as characteristics that are desirable within his children. He cultivated that. The only unfortunate bit is the fact that they didn't find all of them sublimation which in case you want to know the exact definition other than what they told you in the show in case you missed that because it went past me very quickly so I said I better look up that definition Uh, in the field of mental health sublimation helps people who have urges that if acted on are self-destructive or dangerous to others. They are taught how to direct that energy into something productive like creating art, exercising, or otherwise finding an outlet to take the mind off problematic thoughts. So this is some type of, seems like psychology disorder, psych, oh, it's, yeah, psychology, I said the right word, disorder, but also not to be you know, uh, diagnosed with, if you know what I mean. So Roderick, in the past, we learn Matt Augie, a man he has always had respect for, when he comes to his home and he brings up the fact that his signature is on several documents regarding drug trials where some of the victims have passed away and it could be because they were not properly informed of the potential risks to themselves or the side effects. And while Annabelle certainly understands the gravity of the situation, um, and it's not to say that Roderick doesn't, he knows that as a representative of Fortunato, due to this being criminal activity, he can neither confirm nor deny. He just says, I can't recall if I signed those things, even though his wife very much knows that's not his signature. And he knows it's been faked as well, but he needs to figure out what he's going to do when he confronts his boss, which he does. And his boss name is Rufus, right? So Rufus comes to him and we get a parallel between the man that Roderick has become and the person that he evolved or puppet or mimicked to become instead of the person that he actually is. Because when he confronts his boss his boss tries to at first tell him you know you're either with them or you're not with them i'll look into it that doesn't buy him off he tries to point out that hey if you're a part of you know what's going on here 
you realize you don't ask too many questions and these medicare people you try to blame them as well like oh they don't understand what it takes to get these drugs passed and all the uh, the the requirements put upon them and how in the end it truly does help humanity so on and so forth uh so forth justification is what it boils down to and that is the illusion that these men sell themselves of well i'm doing this on account of the greater good or you know we used to think taking bodies out of the ground was worthy of hanging people and see that helped science which is a true allegory however it doesn't eliminate their responsibility to simply parallel something in hindsight they're trying to use hindsight as their justification in real time and it doesn't work like that because due to the fact that we realize that hanging people because of science (laughs) or doing things like telling them poor Galileo that you went blind because it's divine judgment that's not that's not okay so we need to put certain practices in place because we also had that part of the world where people were selling anything in a bottle and telling people that it would cure them and if you're poor and you're gullible you're going to end up harming yourself because you're misinformed about what you're taking so there there's two different worlds and you see them trying to use part of the history but not acknowledging the full aspect of the history where (laughs) people like you saying things like that are exactly the reason why we have these things in play now and he ends up after giving the similar speech he gave to his children when they were in the boardroom which I love that's the place that Madeline decides that's when they're going to get information and be allowed to grieve. <laughs> not in a home, not in a, in a warm place. It's that's exactly how they helm their family. They, they helm them as a business, as a brand. They're not people. They're part of the efficiency of what makes the the usher legacy effective and it's taunting and very cold and it reflects in more family members than others roderick in that moment said we're at battle stations and the only thing i need to hear is sir yes sir the very same words that Rufus says to Roderick. And what does he do? He replies the same way as his son. I'm just going to put this out there. I think out of all his children, he's probably the most disappointed in his son because he reminds him so much of the weaker part of his of his um i wouldn't say his it's not weaker it's just more like i am a company man i'm doing what i need to do 
because of the position I am in life. And while sure I could do the right thing, maybe that's what I need to do. Ultimately, right now, I don't have what it takes to one plot out any type of revenge for the abuse of power and the deception on my behalf by making me affiliated with a crime that I had no knowledge of. Secondly, you're talking to me about a fucking Ferrari and how it's a great car and how you're going to have my back. But clearly you're using me and utilizing me for your own means. You've already stolen one of my ideas. Like Madeline said, you, you ate their shit and you thank them for it. And that is not a good look. Something she certainly doesn't think is worth the son of the man who built the company and should be probably how she feels in Rufus's seat because their legacy is everything to her. Going back to Roderick in the present day, because after the speech with Anna, uh, Annabelle, and he speaks to his sister, she tells him, you're going to go back, you're going to eat their shit. And you're going to keep on playing the game. Like I told you before, make them think that you're on your team and you're going to get to know Augie. You two are going to become best friends. I do love how ruthless that Madeline is. She is affronted at the fact that he's been made complicit in a crime, but she doesn't want to get mad. She wants to get even. And while his wife, certainly, I feel so bad for her every time that she is the third wheel in this relationship, only supported if her you know, her majesty says so that that's awkward and, and definitely, definitely worthy of feeling some kind of way when Madeline does that, but their aura is on another level. It's almost as if she is the other side of his brain, whereas he likes to do poetry more of a romantic he has more feminine tennis tendencies and she has more masculine tendencies and they balance each other rather well and there's no room for Annabelle in that and the fact that even Augie reads their situation of you have a sick child I've gone through the same thing I know that it's hard to do uh it's easier to do the right or do the easy thing what i I messed up this whole thing it's harder to do the the right thing which it is because that means there's a sacrifice to yourself a loss to your family he's not unempathetic to what he's asking them to risk when he comes to their home and lays out the evidence in front of them so all of those things 
are a culmination of what was already an existing plan to really bring down Rufus because he's taken things way too far and now has stained the company legacy, i.e. their legacy. Wouldn't let that shit happen to me, though. You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. A choir boy. I laughed at the scene in the office where Pim was showing them the the camera angle of uh, Verna sitting in the the security guard. Like, there's not a woman that works there. A guy was supposed to be there. Clearly, that's not him. And what was she doing there as well? No one seems to know, even though Victorine was asked about it. She, uh, well, we'll talk about her in a moment. Eventually... They're able to enhance the photo, but he's like, yes, you can't enhance a photo. You can't do what you see in TV. That shit doesn't exist, which is so true. Like half the shit you see on CSI Miami and things that they do with technology. It's like, yeah, no, I can zoom in. That's about it. I can't make it ungrainy that that's mystery science. But they do eventually get a clearer copy and Madeline immediately recognizes and goes back to the place that they first met. But she's she's certainly feeling as if it was a strange dream and it didn't really happen. But then there's a raven staring right at her. You know the rules and so do I. I'm guessing they made a deal with the devil and he has to pay in blood. And that blood is the blood of his children, which is a really fucked up type of pack to make in the first place. And certainly very, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Cause it's worse than, I mean, it's, it's another allegory. Hope I'm using that word, terminology, right? for how people fuck up their kids you know they they make decisions that ultimately affect the future of their children and they do it so callously and and without any thought to the repercussions that that that's a sacrifice that they're willing to make that's horrifying that both of these people would have agreed to that, particularly Roderick, who had two children. Madeline doesn't have anything in which to sacrifice (laughs) from her womb. But this is someone else's children that she's happy to offer up to the devil. And that's to all types of fucked up. So I think that Roderick, however, because they are his children, takes it much harder. And you see that when he is speaking to Augie at the, at the, at the house, at his old house, where one of the funniest scenes happened because he, he's telling him about the issues like denial no matter how much you try to escape it 
you fucking can't escape it. It's going to creep up on you. He talks to him about the displacement and sublimation. And then that body dropping, that scared the shit out of me. Bruh. Then he started yelling like I was fucking talking and you get an indication of how he talked to his son. At least that was my interpretation of that scene. Because he also talks about projection. But because Augie is there and he's having another hallucination, Augie got up like, I don't know who the fuck you think you talking to. But you ain't gonna point that displacement shit at me. Nigga, 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 nigga. I'm 200% nigga. He was shaking in his boots. And that's the thing. People like to... Uh, that displacement shit, it only works on people that are weaker than. Because you, many you try that shit up on someone. <laughs> he was like, he said, I will knock you the fuck out. I will remind you. That I came from the streets. Okay. Just because we up in this house and you got this money. Don't think for five seconds. I will not lay you out. But he even says he's like. I'm, it's my bad. That had nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. And I've always had respect for you. And then that's how they get the flashback of how they first met. Uh, for Augie's part in this episode. He uh. He gets upset because the trial's on and if it was him, he would have been in contempt of court, but money buys absolutely everything, including a lack of a contempt of court. However, when Pam gets there, that's the first time everyone is given notice about what happened to Camille and Augie at that point, because he cares about the family and that's what you get in the scenes with Roderick that they have this long history of chasing each other but it's almost as if you're wanting your opponent to win because you know that they are honorable and you want to believe you want to your philosophy is that of cynicism but some part of you that once did believe and hope uh, hopes that it triumphs even if that means the downfall of him and that's kind of the feeling I get between Augie and Roderick and so to know that they actually seem to have developed an actual friendship in the past gives more relevance to his concern that Roderick would lose to have his children like no matter what the fuck is going on between us he even said you know, you probably gave your children that displacement. That's a couple of things that Roderick does often is he makes comparisons between himself and Augie like, oh, you're no better than me. But in fact, that's more projection. And all those characteristics that he can openly admit to, he is oblivious of sometimes that he's in fact doing at the time that he's doing them. But I really loved Augie's speech in the past. And I I look forward to seeing how that relationship ends up turning the way it does. 
because while Roderick still has admiration, you feel as if Augie even says, like, I didn't ever get that impression from you in the past that it's almost um, like there's a hurt behind it. Like I had faith in you and you disappointed me. And then the way you treated me since then, or at least the things that we've been through since then has not, um, certainly not made me think otherwise. But man, that body, that still got, got me. And then what else with Roderick? Him and his wife, Juno, poor Juno, she gets talked about like she's not even in the room and, and says as much. <laughs> Uh, she's not in the will, is she? Is she? Um, yeah, Roderick. He, he says Madeline's down in the basement and we heard thudding in the basement. He said that she was tinkering around with some of her, her science stuff because she's a genius, like one of the actual geniuses out there in the world that she quit her company because she was bored. So he looks up to his sister in idolization which is intriguing. But him and his wife, Juno, have the weirdest relationship because he seems to be fascinated with her leg that she, you know, doesn't have. She gets dressed up in the six sexy little thing to distract him, even though why that is a distraction for the grief of the loss of a child, I don't know. But she brings up the fact that she wants to stop taking ligadone because she's been reading or back up on the dosage but he tells her that you're my proof and is that what their relationship is at least in his eyes that she's proof that ligadone can actually help someone and he's holding on to a lifeline that there's any morality in what he has pimped out to the entire world as something that's a life-saving drug. And here for her, it's life-saving, but truly, truly it's, um, it's everything everyone says it is. And no matter how much he would love to deny otherwise, that's a really fucked up reason to marry someone. I mean, she's treated like shit and she thinks for some i mean but i get it what did he say wait for the next drug addict you find in the er like that's also not a a, yeah oh man i kind of feel bad for her because i don't think she's in her right mind and has fallen into this her drug dealer's lap for the most part he's her pusher oh that's alarm distressingly alarming (laughs) Um, but when she's trying to do her little sexy thing, he ends up seeing Perry. Interesting, he didn't reflect on Camille much other than once she has a bee in her bonnet, nothing's going to stop her from finding the truth. That's her unique talent. And other than worrying, he, he has a very dejected feeling in regards to her death now it could of course be that further denial but that he saw perry once again uh makes me think that that death still hasn't taken its full toll 
Then again, see, I mean, yeah, no, both is terrible because they said her face was ripped off. <laughs> so, uh, did he even see? No, he did see his daughter, uh, her her face. So that's interesting. I don't know if that's meant to 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 um, birds looking for them. <laughs> to highlight anything about his emotional state regarding his children but there we go anything else with Roderick other than he finally oh yeah he does tell his sister Madeline that he has Catacil and this is something their mom had as well and it's just like mom and she's like don't like we're not gonna acknowledge anything terrifying about what could possibly happen to us because they watched their mom devolve and it was not a pretty sight. And now we know why he's pushing for the heart mesh because he went to Victorine. So I guess we'll wrap her in as well since we're on that on that track. And ask her about that. And the reason why he's putting so much pressure on her, even saying I'll, I'll allocate the funds to someone else in the family is because he needs it for himself to extend his lifetime they think five years, but it's much, much less than that. So maybe he's put his his faith in, okay, if I can just get this heart mesh to work, I can extend my life. Maybe they think that his that his children are supposed to die upon his death or something to that effect. I would, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get the exact details on what exactly they gambled. Not even gambled, um, sacrificed. And Madeline does seem like she is certainly troubled by it, but she has that exterior, right? Nothing's going to, she's always going to move on to what's the next thing, next thing, next thing. Victorine talks to Verna, the heart patient, gets her to sign some documents, makes her believe that her her lover is going to be doing the surgery. She talks to her about how medicine companies, they always try these new these new pills or whatever they're selling to poor countries because they're less informed and it's easier to to get away from whatever the side effects are because they'll blame it on other things in the environment so on and so forth they're basically prey to pharmaceutical companies as experiments for human trials without actual consent Victorine tries to sell it as well. It also is an advantage for them to try new medicines that they never would have any type of uh, chance of getting a hold of or being able to afford. But if it's going to kill them anyway, what's what's that argument at all? I will say Victorine does not feel very convincing in her line to Verna, the heart patient. If I was Verna and I was a normal person and not clearly <laughs> knowing exactly where this is going, I would be like, why is the, 
the person I'm supposed to be trusting not a hundred percent other than when she's selling the what the heart mesh can do she doesn't seem as if she is okay with what she's saying she's making the motions and convincing herself but her face says I know this is wrong 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 but I want to be daddy's girl and that is a sad place to be but that is exactly how he's made his children made them compete for his affection by not disappointing him when he needs something from them so victorine decides to go forward with this heart surgery by the end of the week despite clearly preying on this woman who continues to talk about putting absolute faith in her let's go to frederick frederick next he is in a tizzy over the fact that his wife may have been having an affair why was she at perry's party pym gives him the burner phone and says that I need you to try to open it. He tried two things. <laughs> He's like, well, if the third time I'll, I'll just be locked out, he doesn't want to confront what he thinks he may find on that phone, which is his wife was having an affair. Out of all the things that are that is happening right now, it's another indication like his sister, uh, they're twins, aren't they? Frederick and Tamerlan, I think they are. But they're both both very, very, very self-centered. But he is very, 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 very weakened. Um, when he told his father, sir, yes, sir, the look that Tamerlan and Victorine gave him. Fucking embarrassing! His daughter, Lenore, realizes that he's not eating. She tells him there's only three ways to open a phone your face a passcode or your fingerprint he says that's how my phone works too (laughs) he's just a ball of curdled curdled cheese he's cottage cheese curdled cottage cheese so in his obsession over whether or not his wife was cheating pim also gave him the instructions that i need this open as soon as possible he decides well first he goes to uh to leo's not to talk about the death of their sibling but because he needs drugs needs drugs his wife's face is melted (laughs) and he doesn't want to think about why she was mixed up in Perry's orgy. He's like, please don't call it that. Perry's cuddle puddle. <laughs> he gives him some cocaine. And when Leo gets scratched in the eye, one of the most gnarliest scratches ever to be had by a cat, I think. He really gonna ask, is that, is it your eye? I'm just gonna take this cocaine and leave. <laughs> granted leo in there saying fucking every variety fuck 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 
I would too. And my eyeball? My eyeball. That shit was hilarious. Um, what else was hilarious was him trying to get his wife's finger <laughs> to unlock the phone. But when the beeping was causing too much noise, he tried to get her to do the face thing and after bumping some coke. I'm like, oh my God, dude, dude, dude. Do you even care that Camille's dead? He doesn't. He does. Those children, as far as he's concerned, the white, the, the, the children he had, I wanted to say the white children, but Camille was white. <laughs> uh, the bastard children, the ones not born of wedlock, which is so old fashioned, not to mention his hair is the worst every time I see it. <laughs> he's just like a, a, I don't know, he's got a feminine movement. Very feminine. It's just like, oh, go, gee, golly's wow. Don't, don't say that about my wife. So the idea that his wife could be having an affair is just really bothering him. How is he comforting his, his daughter who's now lost another, another family member? Not at all. But granted, dealing with a wife that's in a coma and, and wanting her to be okay is not to say it's not a high priority as well. What else do we get in this episode in regards to, I'm trying to keep Napoleon for last. Tamerlan, Tamerlan for the most part, because when they're all told the news of Camille's death, the only person actually emotionally harmed by this is Leo. And the opening scene I thought was brilliant. Uh, Tamerlan is just like, what about my launch? Second deck. And now they've lost the the one person that handles media. So they're no longer insulated in that capacity. So Tamerlan is putting all of her focus on her product line, which is... Uh, I forgot the name of it. Something with a G. It'll come back to me at some point. But she is simply doubling down in her investment there. She's ignoring everything outside of that. And she Goldbug, that's what it's called. Because her husband <laughs> rebuilt this city. <laughs> horrible is helping launch her her uh wellness package called Goldbug. what's weird is that she has a a, a life-size cutout of him watching her as she works out watching him just all types of weird with her and while she's watching one of his routines she sees Verna in the background or as she knows her candy and she thinks that they had a, a meetup after their little arrangement. He's like, I didn't see her there or if she, you know, I, I, I didn't recognize her if she was there. She's like, I would kill you if you ever saw anyone. 
He's more worried about the fact that she wants to work, but she's more concerned of making sure Candy knows to stay in her place. She is using him, I think, for her launch. And it's less about any relationship or any romantic relationship she has for him. And if she does, she only wants to experience it in an outer body type of thing like it's a fantasy that she doesn't actually want it's she's really messed up (laughs) just all types of messed up with that one so finally i think that can bring us over to leo where we started the episode he's devastated when he gets the news about camille he's crying once again He blames Victorine. Victorine's like, I didn't do anything. You can't put this on me. I don't know what she was doing there. Uh, Leo knows she must have been hiding something with her monkeys. And even if that's the case, I still didn't have anything to do with her death. Uh, But that's just him, of course, doing his projecting. And then they give him a statement that Pim has written he just casually slid it over said i think that leo should talk to the press (laughs) and they're like this is fucked we're all fucked madeline's like look this is why i brought you here i want you all to just get your emotions out but when we go outside we're we're solid okay do not embarrass us everyone at their battle stations (laughs) like what the hell that is not how you raise a family. <laughs> um, I was surprised that Pim grabbed Leo when he was ready to walk out because he insulted Juno, who was right there. And dad seems surprised that his son would take out that aggression on him in that moment. And he can't even say anything. He's just more like, let him go. I I can't force him to say what he needs to say. And clearly he's fucked up. He got the news about Camille after he went and got a replacement cat instead of just admitting, look, I don't know what the fuck happened last night. Your cat somehow died. I don't know who harmed it. You ain't even got to go into all the details. The cat died. Uh, Just say, you know, I think it got into something. Just say the cat died. I don't want to go into details. The cat died. If this is the end of our relationship, my apologies. I can replace Pluto. (laughs) He gets to the animal shelter and Vern is there and she's trying to sell him on uh, a cat that he doesn't want because these are rescue cats and we're a put down shelter. So if you don't save them, this seems like a, a little bit of a morality test that's irrelevant. Because if they made a deal with her, what if she if they were to suddenly do the right thing? She's she gonna let them live? I don't think that's the case. So why play with the with the consciousness of their their um or even put forth the question of their morality when tested? Because you already know they're doomed. Maybe maybe depending on their morality the way in which they're doomed may be easier 
if they didn't prove themselves to deserve a much harsher death. Like Camille needed to be obsessed with taking down her sister goes to this place where she shouldn't be. It's not dangerous. She's warned and she does it anyway. So she gets chimpanzee to death. Same thing with Perry. He's kind of warned, but he decides to go forth anyway, because it's his moment. And the same thing with the cat. He could have just adopted a cat, brought it home, decided, you know what? I may not have liked that cat, but I killed it. I am remorseful. Let me do something positive with that event instead of <laughs> try to fool my fiance by replacing it with this stranger that turns out to be the cat from hell because it be fucking him up. It starts with a scratch. Then there's scratches on the cheek. Then they took out the eye. Then it's on the neck. And then it keeps leaving dead animals all the way <laughs> the house for him to find his fiance Jules or Julius asked him to hold up on the drugs. Like, look, I know what I signed up for when I got together with you. I know you're going through a lot of grief. I'm asking what I can do for you, but I can't deal with like what's happening with the excessiveness. Say it's just a favor to me. Just chill a little bit. Chill with the drug use because you're not sleeping and you're taking even more and you're going to harm yourself. And because I care about you, I want you to stop taking as much. He takes this as, well, it looks like I need to um, change out for another model. You're not my supervisor! I think the thing is no one else has seen this cat besides him. Because he's put in a state of displacement the minute he hears of Camille's death on top of the drugs it ends up sending him over the edge to where he kind of already was going he just he just faced that conclusion through a bout of madness and fighting a cat by taking a Thor hammer and absolutely destroying his apartment and everything around doing battle and aggressively doing it. So with so much rage and anger and to see that this is part of who Roderick becomes later in life, juxtaposed to the Roderick we see with Annabelle, it's actually rather sad like I pity him in this moment because it's almost like poor child you never had a chance you know there is this idea that we always talk about if there's a zombie apocalypse it's gonna be the rich people that go first <laughs> because they don't their minds are not at all uh, that 1%, particularly the youth the side of that 1%, the, the, they don't have any concept of what it means to go through certain realities in life. And that cognitive dissonance can make or break you. 
and depending on how long you've been living that life, and it's not everyone, I'm sure, but I'm, uh, there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of people that are not going to know how to deal with trauma. A lot of people today who don't know how to deal with trauma. So that he would seemingly commit suicide by falling off of his balcony uh, due to a hallucination feels in line with his inevitable fate anyway in the face of the tragedies in his life there was no going back for him it was just too much for leo to take i mean if he even stuck around for one more death i don't think you would get him out of bed he would just be comatose the performance by by my boy um when i get his name right rahul Kohli was was damn damn good i mean he always brings it but man he brought it i uh i really love this episode i gave it a 9.8 out of 10 i would say the only thing and it's one of my pet peeves about midnight mass <laughs> and even and even house of uh blind manor but i felt less because i felt like he he clipped it 10 minutes shorter like all of his monologues are 10 minutes longer than they need to be they stick the landing and then they over they over massage the point and because i do the exact same thing i can spot it <laughs> it's it's one of those things when you want to make sure that the audience gets what you're saying when you're talking about you know quite complex topics it could sometimes be just just a bit too much but not not excessively so not thus far anyway but that is my review of the episode we do have feedback so let's hop into the mailbag What up, Stina? It's Mimi. This is my feedback for the fall of the House of Usher, episode four. Um, I really like this episode. It was very interesting. I like how um, each episode, I think I know who in the beginning, which uh, child is going to die. And then I end up not really knowing um, because I thought um, Victorine was going to die. Um, but then it ended up being um, Leo. Um, and I was concerned with all the drugs that he was taking when he uh, thought he killed um, his boyfriend's cat. I was like, is he seeing things like how like if you if you really murdered your, your um, husband's or boyfriend's cat? would he not have heard all the commotion? Like, I I don't know. It's just, it just, it just goes to show you. Cause if he just came clean, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's what these like series of events are. Cause it always seems like, um, the woman that ends up, you know, helping with their death gives them an opportunity to do the right thing. And they keep, 
consistently picking the wrong thing like with prospero perry she was like you know you could call it off and he was like no um with uh what was her name the one that died from the being shredded to death by the the science monkey she was like you know why do you hate your sister so much like you shouldn't even been here like when the security guard was uh like when she was a security guard she was telling her like you're not supposed to be here you shouldn't be here that was her chance to leave like all of them keep getting opportunities to do the right thing and they don't with leo you know who i will say was already a druggie and then the death of his sister who he seemed to like care about her more than uh perry i mean but then again i guess i mean i don't really know if like the length of time knowing someone means anything because i grew up with my siblings but i i feel like you know um the siblings that like roderick and the the older two grew up together and they they grew up with their father and their mom um but the other ones came in afterwards and other than victorine they always they all seem pretty um what's the word i'm looking for i guess with their father it's like indifferent i want to say um i don't even know if any of them can love each other because i feel like you know being 20 or being 19 when you get all this money like i understand like um splurging and 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 buying some unnecessary stuff but it seems like their whole personality should have been developed like if you're 20 what you do before you got all this money like you're like leo's in um the computer the, the you know the it industry making computer games but he's not even making them like so what'd you do before this um at 20 years old you you know you didn't go to school you didn't you grew up with your mom i'm assuming you didn't develop a personality you didn't develop any kind of life skills now all you do is literally fuck around and do drugs that's like literally oh my god this dog is beside me making some weird ass noises this is why i always send feedback in my car because i don't have these random ass weird noises he and he was completely asleep right before i started this now he in the background making all these fucking unnecessary noises gotta get some on my nerve <sighs> anyway i just for the life of me don't understand how you go through you know 20 years of your life not having this money and now that you have it you're a completely different person and how old was old girl i don't remember what her name is the one that was the second one to die um i i want to say her name started with a c i want to say like it's Kristen or something something to that effect i don't know it seems like she has like a rather easier name i don't fucking remember and she dead already so who cares at this point but i'm just i just don't understand like (laughs) how like I know that your family knows you do drugs, but they're just okay with you just being literally at home 24-7. Like, this whole concept that, you know, if you work hard and you continue to work hard, you can be a billionaire is some bullshit. Because it seems like the more money you have, the less you have to work. But I'm going to get off my soapbox with that. Um, You know, him going to that, um, Leo going to the... um, shelter and finding the cat and i was like you don't think it's strange that you find you go to a shelter and you find the exact same looking cat that you're that you were looking for like 
I don't know everything about him like we 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 knew he was a piece of shit from jump because our first introduction introduction to him was cheating on his live-in boyfriend with a groupie that he literally just met so it's not like you even develop a relationship and someone that to me if you sleep with random people and you have a live-in boyfriend you're you've cheated on him multiple times because it wouldn't have been that that easy for some rando to just get you and then you take them to your house like everything about him is just a fuck boy so we know he's not the greatest but when she was like you know like you know take this cat or take this like I feel like had he you know I mean I don't know that (laughs) saying you know I I was really high drunk wasted and out of my fucking mind and I think I killed your cat is gonna be conducive to a healthy relationship but I mean you can't have telling the truth but I think like getting a cat to replace it is just as bad the relationship's doomed anyway and we all knew that but now you in your drug-induced mind saw all this stuff you literally we don't like it seems as though it didn't look to me and that's just my personal opinion that the the shelter cat was even real like we saw at the end after he fell out of the window or I should say fell off the balcony that the regular cat with the Gucci name uh collar walked past him so we know that the he didn't really kill the cat but in his mind he went to a shelter he got a cat all that seems to be like hallucinated and not real because all those like dead animals he kept finding was not real and it's crazy to me like how do you like you don't think it's weird that the cat got the dead animal underneath your pillow while your husband was in the bed like everything about it was so strange and it didn't make sense to me until we got to the end and he was just losing his mind um they're probably gonna do an autopsy and show that it was like drug-induced dementia um which is a thing you know people hallucinate and they no it's called drug-induced psychosis and get crazy like he didn't kill himself but knowing this family they're probably gonna spin it that way he was so distraught with the death of his siblings that he took his own life because saying he went crazy seeing a cat that wasn't there and accidentally fell off the balcony probably would be embarrassing to them and that's really all they care about is image um but i personally if i was roderick and two of my kids died I would start thinking something, you know, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I feel like he has to know what this is. And he's just not being honest. Um, The fact that he is talking with DuPont and he keeps ignoring his granddaughter's message is very interesting to me. And he kept talking about Madison being in the basement. Like, that doesn't sound like something good is happening down there. I think his granddaughter is calling because he can't find she can't find her her aunt and she's you know they're very close and she maybe she's concerned and she's like let me call my grandpa maybe he knows where his sister is it's clearly all connected but I'm I'm just really enjoying the the way things are going like you just you think you know what's about to happen and you really don't. Um, I'm curious to know how um, Victorine is going to die because I too was under the impression that she was a doctor 
And now that we're like looking back and, and thinking about it, she definitely is not a doctor. She's probably just dating. I, I do believe she's dating that woman just because she's a doctor and she's using her. It does make sense. It, it clicks. But I, I'm, I'm just absolutely bamboozled that as a doctor and you're running an experiment, like I understand that's your girlfriend, but you should know that she shouldn't be a part of this. It's a conflict of interest. She shouldn't know what's going on. She has no medical knowledge, no medical degree. Why is she even there? Like, I need to see her credentials because it seems like just footing the bill should not be a reason to get you in the lab. And if she is literally injecting all of these animals with adrenaline, none of the findings would be accurate. Um, unless, which I wouldn't put it past them, you just, you know, lie about the findings and all of the paperwork is forged but then as a doctor her her girlfriend should not be okay with that because you're literally risking your livelihood and your license and I can't imagine that that would be something you would want to do as a doctor all that schooling all that money all that time your whole career just gone because you chose to sleep with a wealthy bougie bitch who used you and you allowed her to just do whatever she wanted with your research findings and your experiments but you know stranger things have happened um I am very curious to see um what is gonna happen with um Frederick <laughs> and uh his uh wife because he really trying to get in that phone and that's the phone if I'm not mistaken that pos Prospero gave to Perry gave to um his uh Eleanor's mom so hope she, I hope they don't get into it because we don't know what we know the invitation but we don't know what kind of messages they have back and forth and I was thinking that her fingerprint and her freaking um face are all burned off so there's no way that that recognition would work and he's I hope he tried one two three four five because that's probably what it is it's uh on factory settings that'd be funny if that's what it is anyway I'm very um concerned with him doing coke he's probably gonna be the next one to die and I just feel bad for Eleanor because <laughs> you know she she's clearly the only grandchild and she's clearly gonna be left alone she will be stupid rich when everybody dies but i mean she will be utterly alone um because i'm pretty sure roderick killed madison um but i guess i guess we'll just find out so until next time love peace hair grease and black girl magic queen of the couch mimi out thank you mimi for your thoughts on this episode <laughs> um why am I laughing? There's something you said that made me laugh. Oh, the last bit when he was like, oh, he killed her. Yeah, no, I think he did kill his sister. I think despite how close they are, she is definitely <laughs> um, the one that would certainly have an issue with him talking to Dupont. She's definitely the devil on his shoulder. Leo, I forgot him going off about black. Like I don't even have a black suit. What his sister would say about silk at a funeral. And yeah, I do think that she's putting these moral choices in front of them. We're on the same page about that. 
And I also don't think that they understand what love is. They just, it's like having someone through your traumatic bonding. No one else is going to understand that experience, but the person that's going through it with you. And I think that's their connection more than anything. But Leo really seemed to take loss not very well. I think he's supposed to be like a, a, a Steve Jobs kind. He doesn't make the games, but he uses his name behind them. His psychosis definitely around the drugs is what they were putting out there in the episode. Him saying, after all I've taken, I can't even sleep. So he was also sleep deprived. This happened, it seemed almost back to back with Perry's death within the same week. So everyone saw how emotionally distressed he was. So thinking that he had a psychosis incident, like you were saying, is exactly how they would spin it and i can't see anyone wanting the case to continue upon all of those deaths i understand that dupont's gonna want to to keep them accountable but a recess is certainly warranted because <laughs> pym looks thrown off by the current events Two, despite him being like, nope, we got to keep everything together. He's trying to do his best. Uh, he's a pleasure as well. <laughs> I love everything about him. And um, yeah, why is he ignoring Lenore's messages? The last he saw of her, she was at the funeral. I did zoom in to see what the message says, but I, I wasn't able to make out anything. Uh, and she, Vict Victorine, seems to be the one that truly believes in the tech. But she's being rushed. Like, you can have a good idea. It just needs time to evolve. And her father is not allowing that time to evolve something that truly might help people. It just isn't where it needs to be at. And because he's threatening to pull financial funding that's pushing her to make morally unacceptable ideas i think her dating the heart doctor is twofold she probably met her looking for someone with her particular skills to invest in this particular idea that she had um even though she isn't a doctor herself she probably has some interest in the medical field if she developed it right um, and then, uh, cause he even said, I care more about the tech and the dead monkey than I care about the dead monkey. He was so mad. You know how many habitats I had to, to make to get those chimpanzees. So yeah, he, she was also asked if she was the, the, the mole, but she's like, fuck you. I'll bleed for this family. But yeah, um, I think that's about it that we, we were pretty much on the same page about. <laughs> I did really love this episode. It was really, 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 really good. I like what Michael Flanagan is doing. I'm not familiar with all of Poe's works, but that he's modernizing it, I think 
to speak to a lot of relevant things happening today around the pharmaceutical industry, but also around family. I actually read this story. I'm going to tell you all about it next time because I'm going to put it in the main podcast uh, about another family with a patriarch that had a sad ending in regards to five of his children before him. So (laughs) as uh, a fan of the casual criminist podcast, don't fuck up your kids. If you want to send feedback on the next episode, like a couch at gmail.com or you can leave a comment below. Again, my social media will be there. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and black or magic. Yeah, we're down.